Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Japanese traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Today's episode features discussions of graphic violence, murder, and self-harm, so listener discretion is advised. Prince Hody awoke, bound to the wall of a cave-like prison cell by bonds of thick seaweed. He was still a prisoner in the Sea Kingdom. He pulled at the unbreakable weeds, panic coursing through his body. But his fear subsided when his elder brother Hoderi strode up to the cell's coral bars. He was dressed in the regalia of the Land Kingdom, and a sword hung at his side. Hoderi looked every bit like the king he was destined to be someday. Hoderi! I thought I'd never see you again! Hello, Hori. Princess Toyotama summoned me. Hori's stomach lurched as the sea princess walked up to Hoderi's side. It took four days to get him to come, Hori. Your brother's quite a cautious man. Four days? I had to be sure it wasn't a trap. For all I knew, you were dead. But the princess has assured me that both you and my hook are safe. Toyotama held up a chain around her neck. Attached to it was Hoderi's magic fish hook, the one Hoderi lost while he tried to hunt a sea beast called the Wani. Hoderi reached out for it, but Toyotama clasped it in her palm. I propose a trade. I keep the hook, ending your attacks on my ocean citizens. Find a new way to feed your people, and you get your brother back. <laughs> You're terrible at bargaining. Not a hard choice, huh, Hoderi? Hoderi? I just... I have to think of what's good for our people. What's right for me to do as their future king. And kings don't compromise. Hoderi unsheathed his sword, and Hori cheered. He watched his brother raise the blade high. He couldn't wait for him to break through his cell. But Hoderi sliced the hook off Toyotama's necklace instead. Toyotama fell, clutching at a cut Hoderi left on her chest. Hori cheered again. Clearly, Hoderi wanted to surprise her by going after the less valuable thing first. Ha <laughs> ha! Excellent feint, brother! Now, free me! Hoderi turned toward the cell. It was only then that Hori realized the sword was trembling in his brother's hands. A scared Hoderi took a deep breath. But before he could free Hori, Toyotama reared up and clawed his face. Hoderi dropped his sword, stumbling as blood streamed from his forehead into his eyes. He fumbled to keep the hook in his hand, then looked up at Hori's cell. Toyotama stood in front of it, ready for a fight. Hoderi didn't look nearly as ready. Hori searched his brother's eyes. In the dark, with blood seeping into them, he couldn't read Hoderi's expression, but he knew his brother would save him. He clung to this hope, 
until Hoderi clutched his hook and ran out of the cave. Hodi pushed at his cell's bars with a gasp. Ah, I should have known that killer would be a coward, too. He's not a coward. It's a ruse. It has to be. Hoderi will return for me. He will. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Last week, we met Hodi, a carefree prince who took over his overworked older brother Hoderi's fishing duties. Hodi went after a beast called the Wani and lost Hoderi's magic fish hook, endangering his kingdom's food supply and his bond with his brother. He ventured to the Sea Kingdom to retrieve it and was trapped by Princess Toyotama, who'd had enough of humans hunting her kind. Today, Hodi fights to flee the Sea Kingdom and return to his brother, but he'll discover that Hoderi may not be as eager to repair their rift. Coming up, Hodi faces a difficult truth and a surprising fate. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Hori drifted in and out of sleep, tossing and turning against the weeds that bound him. Time had passed, but he wasn't sure how much, days maybe. He knew he was much thinner and that the flame of hope within him had dimmed. If Hoderi was planning a daring rescue, he had to hurry, otherwise there wouldn't be much of Hori left to save. Hodi stood up at the sound of someone approaching. A mad inner voice said it was Hoderi, but it was just Toyotama. She wore a satchel over her shoulder and held out a bowl of seasoned seaweed against the bars. 
Hody turned his head away. Enough childish games eat. Father won't have Amaterasu's great-grandson die on our watch, even if you have been left for dead. Hoderi will come for me. He's probably training an army of fishermen to hold their breaths and swim like champions as we speak. And even if he isn't, my father will soon return from his vacation. Perhaps you've heard of him. The great Ninigi, descendant of the sun goddess Amaterasu. No one is coming, Hori. Your kingdom already held a funeral for you. That's not true. My informants heard it from the shore crabs. Hodere told everyone you drowned. Your parents buried an effigy of you in the sand before... Before what? <sighs> before your grieving mother threw herself out of a palace window into the sea. They say your father drowned trying to save her. Hodere is king now. No. I... I don't believe you! Toyotama shook her head, deeply uncomfortable. She reached into the satchel over her shoulder and pulled out a baby blue blanket. Your mother was clutching this when she jumped. Hori looked at the blanket and fell to his knees. My mother knit that for me when I was born. He curled up in a ball, trying to contain his sobs. Toyotama watched him through the bars. I take no pleasure in telling you this. Your brother caused my kingdom enough trouble when he was just your father's hunter. Now that he's in charge, I fear that war may be inevitable. Then let me go to the surface and prove I'm alive! It isn't up to me anymore. Of course it is! You're the princess! Only in name. I've been stripped of my privileges because of how I... Well, how I bungled this whole affair. Your fate is up to my father now. Then let me plead my case. Please. You'll need your strength. So eat first. Hori didn't know if he could trust his enemy, but then he couldn't even trust his own brother. So he opened his mouth and let Toyotama feed him through the bars. Later, Hori sat on his knees by Toyotama. He held out his bound arms and pleaded with her father, Rujin, the fire-breathing sea dragon who ruled the deep. King Rujin, I belong on the surface. Please, set me free. Hori, your family is dead, and you are mourned as a hero. What more could you hope to accomplish? Hori saw Rujin glance to the back of the chamber like he was nervous. If the king's resolve was faltering, then this was Hori's chance to persuade him. I have to right Hoderi's wrongs and become my father's heir if I must. Hoderi's unstable, and he'll make things worse for both our kingdoms. <sighs> I admire your bravery, but Hoderi chose to leave you here. Your father's reign has passed, and I have to respect the needs of the heir, not the spare. Then what? Am I just going to rot in your cell? Oh, no. I'll give you a good life down here, I promise. You weren't going to amount to much on land, boy. This is an easy way out. Easy isn't always right. I've learned that now, and I can't forget it. 
Then allow me to assist you. Bolts of red lightning shot out from Rujin's eyes into Hordi's. Ah! Hordi fell back. Toyotama rushed to his side and was surprised at how relieved she felt when she saw he was still breathing. His eyes glowed red and a strange, vacant smile bloomed across his lips. What have you done to him? The same thing I have to do to you if I want any peace around here. Father, no! Her father unleashed more magic and Toyotama fell to the ground. Her head rested on Hori's chest and she smiled the same dreamy smile. Rujin stared down at them. They looked perfectly quiet and happy. He looked to the back of the room again. Out of the shadows walked Hoderi. The pale, anxious young king looked down at Hori with a haunted expression. So, it's done? Hori will remember none of this? These ancient spells can be unstable, but they are powerful, and almost as draining as listening to this poor boy try to prove himself. I had to hear his intentions. Now that I know he wants to dethrone me, it makes all of this easier. Beating him would have been easier for me. No, there's been enough death. I don't want Hori killed. I want him gone. There's a difference. I suppose. Now will you hold up your end of the bargain? I won't fish near your palace, and no harm shall come to your court. As long as you send lesser fish to live by our shores so I can feed my people, and you keep the Wani contained. That's Toyotama's true form and she won't remember it. The Wani is as good as dead. Good. Your abomination of a daughter started all of this when she took my hook. And your fool of a brother isn't to blame? Are you challenging the heir to Amaterasu's legacy? No, I just want to rule my kingdom in peace. As do I. Hoderi leaned down and looked into Hori's empty, smiling eyes. And... You're sure he'll be happy? As a clan, your highness. That makes one of us. Goodbye, Hori. Hoderi caressed his little brother's cheek, then strode out of the throne room. Coming up, Hori's bright future is invaded by his dark past. Love. It's been the subject of poems, novels, music, and film. It's also been the driving force behind some of the most horrendous crimes in history. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. Join me for season two of Criminal Couples and meet the lovers who took their passion to perilous lengths. Featuring standout episodes from female criminals, serial killers, solved murders, and crimes of passion, this season of Criminal Couples gets to the heart of what makes two turn to a life of murderous crime. Some couples were set off by revenge or greed. Others were fueled by sex and drugs. All acted in the name of love. Discover the darker side of desire in season two of the Spotify original from Parcast, Criminal Couples. 
follow for free and tune in every Monday only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Cody swam just under the sea's surface. He was on the hunt, but not for fish. A jeweled hook on a fishing line bobbed in and out of the water, daring Hody to follow. When Hody finally caught it, the hook pulled him up above the surface. Hody found himself hanging off the side of a fishing boat. A man peered over the edge. He looked just like Hody, only older and angrier. Do I know you? You never knew me. Then the man drew a sword and cut the fishing line. Hody plunged underwater. He tried to claw his way to the surface, but he kept sinking deeper. He turned his eyes from the surface to the deep and realized that a yellow-eyed sea serpent was rushing up to him, fangs bared. Then someone grabbed Hody's shoulder. He shot up in his soft, silken bed to see Toyotama. His beloved wife of three years looked concerned. I'm sorry. It was that dream again, with the serpent and the hook and the man who looked like me, pushing me under. <laughs> oh, you know, I told my handmaiden about that one last week. She says it reveals your fear of responsibility. Nonsense. Responsibility fears me. <laughs> Good, because you've got a big one coming up any day now. Toyotama pulled the covers back to reveal her very pregnant belly. <laughs> right. And see how not scared I am? You're going to be a wonderful father, Hori. And let's not put too much stock in dreams, especially silly ones. Oh? What did you dream about last night? Nothing. Liar. All right. But I'll warn you. It was... Odd. I had you in a cell tied up with seaweed. <sighs> Reminds me of our wedding night. <laughs> it wasn't like that, Hori. Could it be? Hori leaned over to embrace his wife, but she ducked. <sighs> I'm sorry. Morning sickness. Toyota must scrambled into their bathing chamber. Hori knew he should help, but deep down he felt unsettled. Something about Toyotama's pregnancy still felt so unreal, as strange and overwhelming as his dream. So he lay back in bed and prayed that this was what all new fathers felt. Toyotama shed her robe and hurried into her bathing pool. 
floating eased her nausea and made her feel less like a bloated beast. She knew pregnancy wasn't easy, but she felt guilty for not being more excited. She'd never dreamed of motherhood when she was a girl. But then Hori washed up on the steps of their palace, an injured young man from the surface with no memory of his past. She'd helped him adjust to life in the Sea Kingdom, and they'd fallen in love. Love had gotten them through three blissful years of marriage. She just hoped it would carry Hori through their lives as parents. Toyotama's ambivalence softened when she felt the baby kick. She felt a charge run through her, and she knew, or at least hoped, it was motherly love. Then her eyes trailed down her body, and she screamed when she saw that her legs had turned into a scaly, purple-green tail. Hori raced into the chamber, looking as scared as Toyotama felt. Is everything all right? Toyotama looked back to find that she had perfectly normal legs again. Just perfect. Get dressed. We're late for breakfast with father. Later, Hori and Toyotama sat in King Rujin's throne room. They ate a breakfast of dried seaweed and warm rice set on a table beside Rujin's pool. The rice was a delicacy from the surface, which Toyotama had learned how to cook. She said it was probably what Hori ate in his old life, but he had no idea if that was true. Still, Hori loved eating it because his wife made it with love. Across the room in a dark corner of Rujin's pool, the king floated in hushed conversation with a sea serpent who served as one of his generals. Make it clear, just like last time, if I see that hook near our domain again, the deal is off. Hody's ears perked up. A hook? Like the one he'd been dreaming about? When the general slithered off through a tunnel in the pool, Rujin swam over to Hori and Toyotama, and Hori couldn't stop himself from inquiring. King Rujin, did you say something about a hook? Because I had a dream. I said crook. The royal treasurer isn't the most honest accountant. I may just have to eat him. I could question him for you. Or hire a new one? You've been so kind to me, and I want to do more to help you rule. I have to. (laughs) You have no experience, Hori. But perhaps I did. Before I lost my memory, I mean. Maybe on the surface, I was a lord. Or a minor general. I just... Lately, I feel... drawn to what you do. You're not drawn to leadership. You're just running from fatherhood. Concentrate on what matters. Your wife, who's very fragile right now. Father, I'm with child, not a child. You already stifle us by never letting us leave the palace. Because I can't protect you out there. What exactly is out there that you need to protect us from? Your Highness, if there's a threat, I could help you fight it. Enough! How many times do I have to remind you? Rujin shot red lightning at Hori and Toyotama's eyes until their concerned frowns melted into blissful grins. 
Everything you want is right here. Hori and Toyotama smiled at each other and ate. Satisfied, Rujin floated closer. There's a gift for the child, on the table, by my throne. It was meant for the birth, but... Well, this doting grandfather just couldn't wait. Hori went to the table and saw a fiery red, palm-sized stone attached to a chain. Hori is a child of the land, and Toyotama is a child of the sea. Your child shall have the best of both worlds. With one squeeze, the Tidestone draws water near, allowing one to swim anywhere. Helpful if your baby has fins. Uh, will it? <laughs> if it does, I hope they look like mine. <laughs> but two squeezes repels water. So if the child is more like you, there's always a dry spot if they need it. Thank you. Toyotama, look. Isn't it neat? Toyotama dutifully reached out to take the stone, but when Hori put it in her hand, she winced, tossed it back, and grabbed her belly. Ah! The baby! I... I think it's coming! Hori pocketed the stone, feeling dizzy. This was all happening so quickly. A few hours later, Hori held his newborn son. The boy had no fins or scales, though his dark hair had a green tinge just like his mother. It still felt unreal to Hori, but he wasn't as scared as he thought he would be. His son's presence felt like a challenge, but one he was excited to take on. Look, little man, your mother's awake. Hori carried his son past a smiling midwife and over to Toyotama's bed. His wife rubbed her eyes and eyed Hori warily as he put the baby in her arms. The little warrior put up a valiant fight, but I got him to stop crying. Not bad, eh? This is wrong. This child, who is he? (laughs) Our son, my love. You're just tired. You'll be better soon. No, no, that's wrong. You're... I recognize you. I'm your husband, Toyotama. You're a hunter. I'd never... When did we get married? Hori's heart raced as he saw his wife's eyes glow red. We got married three years ago. This is... Father's done something. Something terrible. This child is a violation. Toyotama shoved her child at Hori, who grabbed his son with concern. Toyotama, what's the matter with you? Toyotama gripped the sheets with such force that they ripped. Then her eyes glowed red again. None of this is real! The midwife screamed, and Hori almost dropped the baby as Toyotama's flesh pulsed and expanded. Then her skin ripped apart, and she transformed into a massive green sea serpent with purple scales and glowing yellow eyes, the same one from his nightmare. 
The monster writhed, shattering the furniture and roaring its terrible roar. Hody handed the baby to the midwife and told her to get it to safety. Then he turned to the beast. Toyotama, what happened? I am free to finish what I started. The beast's head darted around the room, as if searching for an escape route. Hody was terrified, but he still ran up to try to reason with her. Stay back, Hunter, or I'll kill you alongside your brother. She rammed through the wall and swam out through the bathing chamber's pool. Hori was aghast. How had this happened? What was the spell Toyotama mentioned? And who was his brother? There was no time to wonder. He had to go after his wife. So he ran into the bathing chamber and dove into the pool. Hodi swam out from an opening in the wall that surrounded Rujin's palace. He saw Toyotama swimming ahead. He couldn't match her speed, but he had to try. Unfortunately, he was about to run out of breath. Bubbles escaped his mouth, and his vision started to go dark. Then he remembered the Tide Stone that Rujin had gifted him, the one that repelled water. He reached into his robe pocket and was relieved to find it there. He put the chain around his neck and squeezed the stone twice. It glowed. A pocket of air expanded around his head. He could breathe again and his vision cleared. That's when he saw the grim state of the sea beyond Rujin's domain. The reefs that dotted the ocean floor were barren. There were hardly any fish swimming, at least not live ones. Instead, the water was full of tiny fish picked clean of flesh. Massive whales now just hollowed out husks. The ocean was a graveyard. Rujin was right. The world outside his domain was dangerous. Hori looked up to see Toyotama thrashing near the surface and ramming her head against the bottom of a fishing boat. It was the same one Hori had seen in his dreams, only this one was much larger, and Hori had a bad feeling about what was to happen next. A jeweled fish hook shot into the water, plunged into Toyotama's neck, and pulled her above the surface. Hori surfaced to see Toyotama's serpentine form writhing in a net on the boat. A dark-haired man in blood-red robes stood on the ship, a fishing rod in hand and a bow slung across his back. He stood calmly and watched Hori's wife suffer. Let her go! The man whipped around and Hori gasped. It was the man from his dreams who looked just like him, except he had four scars running across his face as if he'd been scratched long ago. And unlike in the dream, he didn't look angry, he looked stunned. The man rushed to aim his bow and arrow at Hori. Just as he was about to let it fly, King Rujin burst from the water. Set her free, Hoderi! 
We had an agreement! One you violated by letting the Wani loose. This was an accident. She wouldn't have troubled you if you weren't fishing in my domain. My kingdom has grown in size and appetite. I have to feed it somehow. Then you'll choke on us! You had a good run, Rujin. But it's time I laid claim to the land and the sea. And there can't be two kings, can there? Hoderi shot the arrow into Rujin's throat. It tore through him out the other side. Rujin roared in pain and toppled over into the water. The wave washed over Hori, plunging him beneath the sea. When he resurfaced, he saw the boat riding the wave back toward the distant shore. The man aboard it looked back at Hori, and he seemed terrified. Hori turned to see Rujin floating in the water, drawing pained breaths. Hori, I've made a terrible mistake. Who was that man? Why does he look like me? Your brother, Odei, king of the land. A scourge, though I thought I'd bought us a reprieve. But Toyotama was right years ago. Subservience isn't harmony. I don't understand. You will. Your marriage may be a lie, but the child is real. It may finally bring peace between land and sea. Do what must be done to save Toyotama and keep that hope alive. <sighs> the dragon rasped his last breath, then went still. His eyes were open, and Hori prayed that he'd see life in them. Then red lightning shot out from Rujin's eyes. Hori was pushed underwater, and when he came up for air, he remembered everything. The life he'd lived for the last three years was a lie, but it felt as real as the life before that. He had to get to Hodedi's palace to save his wife, even if it meant killing his brother. Coming up... Hodi fights to save his family. Now, back to the story. In a little-used hall in King Hoderi's palace, a secret door from a hidden passageway opened, and Prince Hodi crept out. It was a passage he often used for games as a child, since it was usually unguarded. That was a good thing, because Hori was a trespasser. He had come to rescue his wife, Princess Toyotama, from the clutches of his brother. But as he crept through the darkened palace, Hori felt his resolve falter. Everywhere he looked, he saw reminders of his past and the happy childhood spent with Hoderi. Hori shook himself and focused on his mission. That's when he realized that the palace was quiet, too quiet and utterly devoid of guards. He looked down at the ground and realized he was stepping in a trail of blood. (sighs) 
Hori cocked his ear and heard Toyotama's beastly roar. He raced down the hall and followed the blood into the palace's royal throne room, where his jaw dropped at the sight of a massacre. Guards lay on the ground, chunks of flesh ripped from their bodies. Blood painted the walls and dripped off the bars of a massive cage that faced the throne. In that cage was Toyotama, whose jaws were covered in blood. Her scales were dry and cracked, and her breath was faint. She'd been out of the water for too long, and Hori knew she had very little time left. Toyotama! Hori tried to bend the bars, then saw a lock that held the cage's door shut. He tried to pull it off, but he was too weak. It's no use. Hori turned to see Hoderi. He sat on the ground under a window, half hidden in the shadows behind the throne. He had a bow drawn and a golden arrow aimed at Hori. A chill ran down Hori's spine as he remembered the weapon. That's my bow, Hoderi, and you've done enough damage with it. <laughs> so you remember. That's good. I remember, but I don't understand. Derry, what have you done? She got loose before the guards and I wrestled her into the cage. The few that survived fled, but I'll live. <sighs> At least long enough to see her die. Hori realized Hoderi was bleeding from a gash in his side. Despite everything, Hori still felt worry. He rushed over, but Hoderi aimed the arrow higher at him. The sleeve of Hoderi's robe fell back, and Hori saw a key dangling from a band on Hoderi's wrist. That's the key to the cage, isn't it? Let me set her free, and I'll help you too. I'm no fool. You'll just set her loose on me. She doesn't get to kill me. I don't want you dead, but I can't let my son's mother die either. You bred with that monster? Hoderi, please! If I ever meant anything to you, show us mercy. Hoderi closed his eyes, then slipped the key ring off his hand. A true king shows no mercy. Then he tossed it out the window behind him and into the sea. Hori roared with anger and ran to his brother, who raised the bow to fire. Hori kicked the bow away, then descended to batter his brother's face. That's it! Don't hold back! Hori stopped hitting him and scrambled back with horror. You're enjoying this? Hoderi, do you want me to hurt you? <laughs> I wanted to be a good king, brother and son. But you can't have it all. You could have if you'd rescued me three years ago. We'd have sorted things out together, even without the hook. Don't kid yourself. When I came to free you, I faltered. I picked the hook. Even if I came back, it would have been too late. You saw how weak I was, and sooner or later, you'd have taken your revenge. You're wrong. All I ever wanted to do was help you. Stop acting so noble. 
Our parents died from grief, grief for you which I caused. Can you really say you'd have forgiven me? Now we'll never find out, because you are weak. I know. And every day while I fished, I feared you'd rise from the sea to kill me. Then, somewhere along the line, I started wishing for it. I made my deal with Rujin because I wanted to rule in peace. Now, I just want peace. Then find it by freeing my wife and ending this war. Dying is the easy way out. And three years ago, you told me that wasn't the right way. I suppose you just need more motivation. Hoderi reached out for the fallen arrow and plunged it into Hori's shoulder. Ah! Hori fell back, clutching at the arrow. Hoderi grimaced, then pulled himself up to sit on the throne. I'm not a good man, Hori. Maybe I was born that way, or maybe father made me like this. But if you won't put me out of my misery, I'll die on my own, on this throne, as king of the land and the sea. Hori's insides curdled with rage. He sat up to face Hoderi, put a hand around the tide stone that hung around his neck, and squeezed it once. You want to rule the sea? Start now. A tidal wave burst through the throne room walls and shot into Toyotama's cage. The water washed over her scales, and she regained her strength within moments. Toyotama burst through the cage and swam across the throne room, straight for Hoderi. But before she could devour him, the tidal wave wiped the entire palace off the cliff into the sea below. Hori surfaced in the ocean, gasping in pain. The arrow was still lodged in his shoulder, but he didn't have time to pull it out. He whipped his head around wildly, searching the swirling palace wreckage for signs of Hoderi or Toyotama. To his left, he saw Hoderi clinging to the remains of his throne. He looked just as scared as the day their father told him he would be king. Hori felt his rage shift into fear and determination. He would never want to be like his brother, and that meant he couldn't let his brother die. So Hori swam to Hoderi and grabbed his arm. Hoderi! Hold on, and we can swim to shore! Hori, it's too late for me. Let me go. I'm not giving up on you, and I won't let you die. Hoderi began to reach out for Hori's arm, just in time for Toyotama's serpentine head to rear up from the depths. Then allow me the pleasure. Hori ripped the arrow from his shoulder and swung it at her defensively. Toyotama, stay back! I don't want to hurt you, but I can't let you do this. He killed my father, Hori. He abandoned you, and he tried to kill me. You know that as long as his black heart beats, this war will rage on. Ah! More death won't solve anything! 
Hori felt powerless as his heart ripped in two. The woman he'd grown to love wanted to kill his brother, and the brother he wanted to save was eager for death. Let her have me, Hori. I don't deserve your mercy. I can't go on living if I have to remember everything I've done. In that moment, Hori realized he had a solution. Wait, there's another way. We can end this without a drop of blood being shed. Impossible. Toyodama, you have every right to be upset. Oderi made poor choices, but so did your father when he tried to fix this mess with magic. He told me that himself before he asked me to save you. So, what if we could save and punish Hoderi? How? Exactly how much magic did your father teach you? Toyotama's fearsome eyes softened. She knew what Hori meant. As dawn rose, Hori sat on the beach looking at the aftermath of the battle. The sea had retreated and large chunks of the palace walls stuck out of the sand like ancient fallen monuments. Only two things gave Hori hope. The first was that the village had mostly been spared from the tidal wave's ravages. The second was that Hoderi lay beside him, as still as if he were dead, but his eyes were open, and a soft red glow flickered in his pupils while a smile played on his lips. Hori heard a baby cry and looked up, to see Toyotama walking out of the sea, holding their son wrapped in the blue blanket Hori's mother had once knit for him. Hori stood and rushed over to greet her. You came back? Only to give you this. I don't intend to ever set foot on land again. Toyotama held the child out, and Hori took him with a bittersweet smile. Couldn't we try to work things out? He's our son. A son I never consented to have. I'm not immune to this baby's charm, but I have a kingdom to run, and I'm not ready to be a mother. I wish you hadn't been put through this pain. But couldn't he be the start of something new? A bridge between worlds? Your father would have wanted it. As long as your kind hunts mine, my poor father's dream remains a foolish one. Then I'll try my hardest to make a better, fairer world, where hunters are more thoughtful and the balance between land and sea is honored. A world where our son can be with both parents. I hope you succeed, Hori. But I won't hold my breath. With a hint of regret, Toyotama ran her fingers through the baby's hair and turned away. Just before she walked off, Hori reached out for her. Before you go, take this. It belonged to your kingdom. Hori pulled the tide stone off his neck and held it out to Toyotama. She eyed it warily, then looked back at Hori and their son. Keep it. If you do build that better world, the child can use it to visit me. Toyotama gave Hori a hint of a smile, then walked back into the sea. 
Hodi took his son back up the shore and sat down by Hoderi. He tried his best to rock the baby, who fretted in his arms. At the sound of the baby's whines, Hoderi sat up. The red glow faded from his eyes, and he blinked at Hodi with innocent confusion. Who are you? Hello, my name is Hori. I'm your brother, and this is your nephew. Hoderi gave the baby a childlike wave, and Hori's son's cries turned to happy gurgles. Hoderi smiled until his brow furrowed in worry. But who am I? I don't remember you. Or anything else. You're Hoderi. You had a fall and hit your head. But you're alive, and that's what matters. I'll fill you in on the rest later, but I've got work to do now. You see, I'm a king. But my kingdom needs rebuilding. That sounds hard. It is. But it'll be a little easier with your help. Hori held the baby in one arm and offered his other hand to Hodedi. He smiled, then took Hori's arm. Together, they stumbled back to the ruins of their palace, where Hori hoped they could build a better world. The story of Hori and Hoderi concludes the first volume of the Kojiki, sometimes referred to as the Age of the Gods. At first glance, it seems very similar to the stories that precede it, telling the adventures of one generation of Amaterasu's descendants, and ultimately reaffirming their family's divine claim to ruling Japan. But Hori and Hoderi's story introduces a new wrinkle to that concept. By all rights, Hoderi should be the next ruler after Ninigi, since he's the eldest son. Yet Hori ends up taking control, even if he's the less responsible younger son, who has more obvious flaws at first glance. Despite those flaws, he reveals himself to be a better leader than his brother, even if he was never meant to be. This adds a subtle nuance to the Kojiki's central message. Yes, a descendant of Amaterasu will rule, but it's the kinder, worthier descendant who deserves the throne. This is especially interesting in light of the text's historical context. If you've listened to previous episodes in this series, you'll remember that the Kojiki supposedly tells the origin story of Japan's current imperial family, the Yamato dynasty. Up until the end of World War II, they were seen as Amaterasu and Hori's actual descendants. Of course, myths fade and perceptions evolve. The current emperor, Naruhito, no longer claims divine right, but for centuries his family pointed to the Kojiki to justify their position of power. Emperor Naruhito's birthday falls this week on February 23rd, making this a meaningful time to revisit the Kojiki. By tracing the mythological history of a family that still holds power today, it reveals our direct link to these ancient stories. They're a pathway to the past and a window into the world of our ancestors. 
In the case of Hori and Hoderi, they reveal a message as true today as it was centuries ago. Blood may be thicker than water, but a true leader shows justice, temperance, and mercy. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday, we dive into another dark, classic fable. We'll be back next week with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Brian Golub. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Amin Osman. With writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher. Fact-checking by Bennett Logan. And research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Brian Kim, Drew Lawn, and Jen Wong. I'm Vanessa Richardson. It's been said that love is a many-splendored thing. That is, until it's not. In season two of Criminal Couples, discover true stories of couples who turned their love lives into a life of crime. Lies and deceit are just the beginning. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Criminal Couples. Catch new episodes every Monday, free and only on Spotify. 